I was overwhelmed because I had a son who went through surgery to get tubes put in. Well, then two weeks later, he had another sinus infection. He had an ear infection, bronchitis. My other son had flu B and had a fever for six days and I had a six month old. Because I was here, there was a whole calvary of women willing to help with the smallest things. This is Single Glimpse, where we get to know our single ward sisters and catch a glimpse of the love our Heavenly Father and Savior have for each of us. I am Jenny Devlin, and today I'm chatting with Candace Steger. Candace, I'm so excited you're here chatting with me today. And you were the first person to volunteer to come see with me. I was making a list of all the sisters and your name was at the very bottom because I know you're doing Relief Society. So she's talking about, I don't want to bug her, but then you said you're moving soon. So I, we probably wouldn't have had a chance to do this. So I'm glad that you listened to the promptings of the spirit. When are you planning on moving? So we are moving at the end of February is the goal. Okay. And very bittersweet these last Great. few weeks. Where are you headed off to? Uh, we're headed back to North Carolina, where we came before here. You are the Relief Society teacher and have been posting on YouTube videos every week, every couple weeks, right? Or yep. Every week. yep, twice a month. Yep, you twice got it. Your videos are so great. It's so great to get that spiritual uplift. So thank you for I'm glad to hear that. I don't get much feedback, so this is great. <laughs> okay, so take us back a little bit. Where did you grow up? Where would you call home? Uh, I call Utah home. It's where I spent most of my years. Uh, I moved a little bit younger than that, but I'm from Utah. Where is your husband from? Where's John from? That's a long question. <laughs> His dad worked for the government, so he grew up moving place to place to place. He eventually ended up in DC area doing high school, and then he did college at Virginia Tech. So, so he's from he, Right, he claims West home, you know, the growing up in the West is home versus all his friends are from Virginia, so. <laughs> okay, okay, that's cool. How did you guys meet each other? We met in Palmyra, New York, of all places. So my husband was stationed at Fort Drum, New York, and I was working as a nanny in central New York, and we met at a YSA event at the Sacred Grove that we both attended on the same weekend, so. You met at the Sacred Grove. That is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. So what did you do? What did you do after high school? Sorry, going back again. Uh, high school. The first year I left to a small town, Price, Utah, community college, did that for a year, decided to move back home and do another year of college at a local university. And then felt prompting that I needed to be elsewhere, which is what took me to New York. <laughs> so I moved to New York on my own, not knowing a single person. All I knew was I was going to work for this family as a nanny. And I knew there was a branch in town and they highly advocated for the other building, which they referred to the temple. They're like there's something else too in New York. I was like, yes, the temple, yes. That so, is, so, that's cool. That's yeah. very cool. So did you know the family you were going to nanny for or you set it up and- We set it up online. We did interviews, you know, with Skype back in the day when that was big. And yeah, it actually ended up working out really, really well. That's so cool. Very cool. Well, good for you for listening to that prompting. <laughs> Changed your life, I'm sure. From there, you were in New York. Did you guys stay in New York, like get married there? How did that all work out? So we met in May of 2012. We were engaged later that year in November. Then we decided just to get married Christmas break because we were both going to be out west. 
our family's all out west. So we actually got married January 2nd, 2013. We just moved in where he was stationed at the New York in his townhouse. And from there, we moved to North Carolina to here and now back to North Carolina. Okay, so what fills your days right now? Your full-time mom? Yep, I have a house full of toddlers. Although right now my kids have a little bit of preschool twice a week. I call it preschool. My husband calls it daycare. It's actually called parents day out. <laughs> but we call it what makes us feel better, I suppose. But yes. yeah, full-time mom, serve people within my ward. I try to reach out to the community. I also participate as an FRG leader at my husband's work. So anything that, you know, responsibilities come from that, I fulfill. FRG stands for Family Readiness Group, and it's actually called SFRG now. I forget that it's changed, um, which is starts with Soldier Family Readiness Group. And I always describe it as, it's like being a Relief Society president. <laughs> it's all information-based. It's just how to get people resources if they move in. We, you know, we have the chaplain on our side if they need help with certain counseling. You know, it's, it's more information-based. Um, Although it can be utilized to do fundraisers, you know, so you're doing bake sales and stuff too. That could be a part of it because you're raising money to do events and stuff for your soldiers and families, mm. whether it's like a barbecue, things like that. So it can get kind of out of hand in some people's eyes, but mostly it's just about information. So it really comes in handy with deployments. Usually it's doing health checks, you know, it's making sure everyone's okay, make sure their needs are met. So when COVID hit, of course, it was like, Hey, do you need anything? Do you need supplies? Because at that point I was struggling to get diapers and things like that. So it kind of utilizes as some kind of networking, um, making sure people are getting their needs met. I love that because when you move, everything is brand new. And I, I think that's so great that there is that connection with right. your families. That's so great. Thank you for doing that. That's I can see your passion for helping people. And that's so it's so sweet to see. If you could give listeners one piece of advice from your life experience or profession, what would that be? Two things come to mind and they kind of go together, but whatever challenge you're going through right now, God has already prepared you for it, whether you believe that's true or not. And if you feel like you're completely blindsided, then he's preparing you now for what he needs you to be in the future. Now that could be either for a future trial that you're going to go through or someone else, you see someone else go through that. Like he's preparing you to maybe share it with someone else. And you know, in life, that's, that's learning line upon line, precept upon precept, you know, he's, it's not those, and you look back to the trials that you've been through, like, Oh, that was nothing compared to what I'm going through now. And I get a lot of, Oh, a deployment again. So you've got this right. I'm like, no, no, no. It's, it's never easy. And trials don't get easier. You just get stronger. You know, and that's how my father preparing you to get stronger so you can handle the bigger and harder things. So you can accomplish the bigger and harder things. I love that because it, and even if you don't think you're being prepared, if you look back, you're like, oh, actually, I remember that time. That probably was preparing me for this. Yes. Deployment, I think, is something that is important for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So when we uh, first moved here, he deployed three months. So as soon as we were here, three months later, he deployed. I had a nine-month-old child. We just found out we were going to have another. And then he's been on and off every six months. You know, he's been deployed for six months, come home for six months. So he was gone January before COVID hit. <laughs> and he got home this summer, which will be our last one. Hooray! Until we move, of course. So That's so great. So is he home now then? Or is he mm -hmm. deployed now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thankfully he's been home since July. 
while he's gone, you said people say, oh, you got this. How, how do you hold it all together? What do you have tips? The first thing I say every time is I didn't do it alone. I asked for help. Now that wasn't true for the first appointment. I mean, this is my way of learning because I'm also really stubborn <laughs> for people who don't know that I'm extremely stubborn, uh, which makes me also persistent when it comes to ministering. But um, I asked for help. And sometimes like just this last appointment um, in January, I remember I was overwhelmed because I had a son who went through surgery to get tubes put in. Well, then two weeks later, he had another sinus infection. He had an ear infection, bronchitis. My other son had flu B and had a fever for six days and I had a six month old. And I remember just thinking like, I need help. And all I did was pray. I was just praying like, Heavenly Father, send help, send help. Like, I don't know what I need right now, but I know I need help. Well, then my back and shoulder go out and I no longer could physically pick up my six month old out of the crib. And that's when I finally started to call on, you know, one of the counselors from the society. And I was like, I need help. I can't even pick someone up out of the crib. I can't even bend over to cook some mac and cheese on my stove. And I realized the answer to that prayer was me to be physically incapable of doing something because that's what it took for me to swallow my pride and ask for help. So it wasn't that drastic every deployment. I'm just trying to stick with current events. <laughs> But that's what it took for me to finally swallow my pride. That's what Heavenly Father needed me to do in order to accept the help that I was asking for. I, I'm glad that you did finally ask for help because I'm sure holding it all together alone is too much. It's too much for one person to bear. Well, and it took like a village to take care of me. So as much as people were available and giving the time that they could, I had one coming over cooking dinner for me and another one came over and helped clean. And then, you know, so it wasn't one person I was leaning on either, which probably would have been if I was in your family, it probably would have been my mom doing all of this stuff. And maybe she would have been exhausted and overwhelmed. You know, the burden on her would have been heavy, but because I was here, there was a whole calvary of women willing to help with the smallest things. Okay, so I would love, switching gears a little bit, I would love for everybody to sort of get to know you on a spiritual level as well. Do you mind sharing with everybody your personal conversion or maybe reconversion story or what made it dis made, made you decide on doing this? It kind of was just a decision. Growing up, you know, going to church was a normal thing. It's just what our family did. It was expected of you to go to church every Sunday. And so there wasn't very much room for trial and error to test it out, you know, as far as choosing not to go versus going. Um, but it really wasn't until I was 19 years old and it was my second year of college when I finally decided like, I need to be all in, you know, if I really want Heavenly Father's help, then I need to be on my knees praying. Or if I really want to know answers to things, um, then I need to be actively seeking those answers. And so Pardon me, the reason I went to be a nanny was because one of those answers or one of the questions I was asking was, what do I, what do, I do next? I've gone through two years of college. I've done all my gen ed credits. Like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to be a mom, but how do I, where's the gap? You know, how do I fill the gap? You know, I was dating someone really seriously at the time what too. So it's like, what is the next step? I have all these things going on. And it wasn't until I read my Pitch Go Blessing that talks about preparing to be a mother in Zion. I was like, oh. There you go, there's my answer. I need to learn how to prepare to be a mom. <laughs> Hence the job that drove me to be a nanny in New York. But it was being in New York, part of a branch of maybe 60 people attending church that I fully immersed myself in church. I was 100% 100 dedicated. 
to fulfill all three callings that I had at the time. It was whatever the branch president needed me to do to drop off food or go visit a sister for two hours just to speak with her because she doesn't have anybody. You know, it was, I felt like it was my 18 month mission without it actually being an LDS mission because I was just 100% all in whatever it took. And it really kind of pieced the testimonies I gained being part of the church. You know, the little testimonies at eight years old of being baptized or, you know, working on personal progress. And my testimony of, I think the first one was tithing, you know, it finally pieced together and came together and I got to see the benefits of it because I tried and tested it in the correct way, you know, in a way that I was able to benefit from those blessings and being converted, being 100% all in. What is the best thing that has ever happened to you? I smile because hands down, without a doubt, that would be my husband. He is, I, I don't know where to begin to describe. He's been a great example because like my 100% all in, he's also gives 100% when it comes to his calling or his job or in his marriage or being a father. Like he is, he's all in too. So I think we share that same desire to just be 100% present. One thing I love about him the most is that he'll try anything twice, mm. which tells me when he has an opinion about something, it's probably because he's got some like facts and back, like he's more than once, because me, I'm all about options. If that option doesn't work, then scratch that, move on to the next one. Or he's like, wait, hold on, let's, let's test it one more time. Just, you know, he's in a way thorough, but also makes me twice, like think, makes me think twice about judging something. Like before I put a label on it or anything like that, like let's, let's kind of see how it is. But he's, anyone who knows him knows that he's, he's just there to love everybody. You know, he seeks opportunities to serve everyone. He's also a great teammate. But knowing John and I on the outside looking in, you can almost call us like incompatible because our interests are so far apart. Things that we choose to entertain, like movies and stuff, are completely different genres. It's, yeah, it's a miracle sometimes, I think, why we work so well together. <laughs> but it's because of those core values of our religion, our family. We know that communication is key. You know, there are a lot of things we agree on. Um, he loves skiing. I mean, I'm like, I've been a beach lover since I was born. Like, I <laughs> could be incompatible, but that tells me that anything through Christ, you can, you know, you can piece together pretty much about anything. He was in the bishopric before they changed. And I know yeah. it, he came over and visited us with, um, there were a couple of people that came, but he was one of them. And I was just so impressed with his you could just feel his genuine love for everybody in just a matter of minutes. You could feel how much he cared for people and how much he really genuinely, if there was something we needed, he would be there in a, in, in a heartbeat. And I don't think we ever asked anything of him, but you can feel that. And so that's, that's really cool. You both share that. I think he's definitely the man you want in your corner. You know, he's the good yeah. advocate. He will fight for you. You know? Yes. Right. Yes. Right. What's the hardest thing that you've ever been through and maybe what you, did to get you through that or what you learned from that experience? Man, the experience that keeps coming to me and I'm hesitant to say it just because I don't want to scare the first time moms out there, but it was being a first time mom. My firstborn was born with several health issues and it caused a lot of heartache for me because you think as a first time mom, oh, I'm his mom, I should know how to do this. But we were seeing health professionals almost on a weekly basis. You know, he needed physical therapy. We were seeing a nutritionist. 
Um, we were trying to work hand in hand with his pediatricians and stuff for the various things he was going through. And I felt like my head was barely above water because I also had a husband who was going through training and he was gone four weeks at a time. So I was, I was it. <laughs> I was it. I was on the night shift, the day shift and the weekend shift, you know? Well, and as a new mom, you are dealing with <clears throat> so many hormonal changes and like you yourself are going through this roller coaster and then there's this person you have to keep alive that you're like, I hope I'm doing this right. Yeah, right, right. And so I think I, that down spiraled me into like this really severe postpartum depression. And it was really hard sometimes to just get through the day. I wouldn't go anywhere because my son had acid reflux or he would blow out to the back of his neck. Like every 30 minutes, something was going to happen. Yeah. So the, by the time even driving to the grocery store, it scared me half to death. So I was like, I have a ticking time bomb in my hand. I don't know what to do with this. But it was my dear friend who I served in the, the young women presidency with. Without saying it, she was purposely keeping me busy, like with serving projects or, you know, little things to young women, like, will you go visit so-and-so? And I was like, sure, just as long as it's only 10 minutes or, or, you know, she, I think she knew without me having to say anything that I was struggling and she caught that. She knew that this is my priority baby, but I still need to serve others. Like it helped me kind of pull me out of this vicious cycle of beating myself up with not being able to do this. You know, I'm doing everything I can. The doctors, you know, I'm following everything I possibly can. So I think her way to pull me out of that was through service and keeping busy with the calling. But in addition to that, it was because of the doctor visits that pushed me and forced me to get out of the house. <laughs> you know, like they knew like how difficult my child was and they're like, so how are you doing? So it was like a monthly check for me. It was a big struggle, but I'm grateful that the doctor visits got me out of the house. And then my friend was able to keep me busy with thinking of others, putting others first. Do you have any advice for, for women who may be suffering with postpartum? What helped you sort of through that? That's a hard one for me because it wasn't till I started feeling better where you could recognize like, oh, that wasn't normal. Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't until I was about eight months postpartum, but then I found out I was pregnant again. It wasn't till it was friends who I guess gave me the advice, like, don't be afraid of antidepressants. So I think talking about antidepressants and stuff normalized it enough for me to think like, I need this. And for me, that's what worked for me. And not that I felt like I'm going to be on this forever. It was just, I just need a little pick me up. And that, you know, and that's how I phrased it to some friends of mine. I'm like, it was just, it was just enough that I could feel that normal and still be clear minded to recognize when I need more help. Do you have a favorite story from the scriptures or a time when a scripture spoke to you in sort of a unique way? So one of my favorite stories is actually about Abigail in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And just a brief summary, although in the chapter heading, it's like three sentences. I'm like, but there's so much more to it. Um, so Abigail is a wife of a wicked, wicked man who refuses provisions for David, who was the son of Jesse, who was protecting sheep and flock for this man. And then when he sent servants to like, hey, I, you know, watch all your sheep for you. They're all in good health, blah, blah, blah. No, no one's ever stolen anything or taken anything, but we'd like to be maybe compensated or, you know, give us something. And then the wicked man claimed to not know him at all whatsoever. And so David prepares to go to war. He's, he brings hundreds of men, gives them all swords, and the wife, um, Abigail, overhears from a servant about the decision or 
lack thereof that was made. And she speedily takes food and plenty of stuff to give to David as a peace offering. So when she meets David, she tells him, forgive me of mine afflictions upon thee. And he's like, what are you talking about? My quarrel is with your husband, not you type of thing. But it shows a very Christ-like way of the atonement. And there's two sides to it. So there's, she's taken upon her husband's sin and is asking David forgiveness. But what the story also talks about is she's also saving David from sinning as well. So she's saving two men in the story, which is what Christ is doing for us essentially too. When we feel wronged, we want to avenge, we want justice, but that's not our place. It's Heavenly Father's choice. So I love that story for the fact that she is also saving David from sinning and committing an evil, um, even though eventually God does make it right at the end of the story. And I'll leave it to you guys to read the rest of it. But yeah, Abigail is my personal hero. <laughs> Women have such a unique ability to bring people together, to serve when it's necessary or needed and nobody knows that it's needed, to step in. You know, women just have this incredible spiritual driven part of them that they are such an essential part to God's plan. And I think that's so neat. I thank you for sharing that. It's what a beautiful story. Can you think of a specific time when a prayer was answered that you really needed? So in 2018, my husband was up again for deployment for six months and he was leaving me with a 10 month old pregnant with number three and a two year old. And I remember my family begging me to come out to Utah. You know, they were like, let us help you. It'll be easier. Like, you know, they were throwing all the stuff you want to hear. And I just felt like an inkling, like, I don't know. Instead of like, are you crazy? Go out there. But I'm like, but the traveling alone and pregnant, like I've done that before and it doesn't turn out well. And I just remember praying and praying and praying for an answer. Like, should I go out to Utah with my family? Um, Cause this would have been over the holidays. This would have been over Christmas. So John was going to be gone for Christmas. And I was playing the piano and I had a lot of answers playing the piano. I just remember the word still. And I just happened to be practicing the song still, still, still for one of, you know, a musical number in December. And I just felt that peace. And I was like, I think it was interesting that they chose the word still, because that means like stay put, like stop almost, not go like, oh, this is a good feeling, peace confirmed, you should go because you'll feel peace. No, it was, it was so unique and so clear and concise that it meant just stay put. And I did, and I honestly think it was because going back to like trials, you learn things. There were some things I needed to learn to do on my own. I don't regret that decision, and I have never regretted following a prompting or an answer to a prayer either. But I just remember that being so distinct and literally an answer in one word. I did get to know more families intimately because I was getting invited to these only family traditions, right? Christmas Eve is a big personal family intricate, you know, so I got to know the Morgan family really, really well and see their traditions. But then the Blackman family invited me like for Christmas day. So it just, it was a humbling experience to say the least, but it made it easier to ask for help if they were so willing, like, yeah, come, you know, it's just Christmas Eve, you know, it, it did help make it easier to ask for help, which I desperately needed, like we spoke with before, with all the infections and everything else, like, it made it easier in the future. Is there a recipe that your family makes that you would be willing to share with us that we could all make in our own homes? 
Absolutely. It's a pretty basic story. Uh, there's a recipe I found when my husband and I were first married up in New York, middle of nowhere. And it was a recipe I found on Facebook that was circling through. And the title of it was called Energy Balls. And it's like six ingredients. One of them's optional. So you can say it's a five, you know, one hand uh, recipe. And all it requires is a cup of peanut butter, a cup of old fashioned oats, um, half a cup of ground flaxseed, a third cup honey, and then you have a half a cup of chocolate chips. And the optional is like a teaspoon of vanilla just for some voila. And it's been our favorite. We get the most compliments on it. It doesn't need to be baked or anything. So it's like ready to go on the fly. With John in the field, I actually would make like a quadruple batch shove it in a gallon bag and make it as flat as possible so it freezes really well. Mm -hmm. And then he would take it in the fills and that'd be like the only thing he eats like the first day or two. So energy balls, it lives to its name. It's It's been a, a staple in our house. Thank you, Candace, for giving us a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father and Savior see in you. Printable recipes from this episode will be posted in the show notes as well as on our Relief Society social media pages. If you feel inspired to be a guest on Sango Glimpse, or you just think it would be a fun experience, send me an email to sangoglimpse at gmail.com. Our chat will be about an hour from our own homes, and I'll even give you some things to think about before then. See you in the next episode.